Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Good afternoon, I'm Kathy Barrett, and welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. And life is something we shouldn't do alone, so I hope you'll spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain this week. I received so many incredible comments, lovely, lovely notes about last week's show, which featured director Mary Katsky and Gwen Bradshaw, who was the subject of Mary's documentary film, About Face. And... Mary's films always, you know, are inspiring and they are made to create positive change in our communities. And Gwen's courage to share her personal story uh, in the hopes of inspiring others really made About Face such a powerful contribution to those seeking support and comfort and knowledge about mental illness, uh, substance and, and physical abuse. And so I'm really appreciative to them for coming on the program. And last week, right after the show, uh, sadly, I received a notice that Mary Katsky's father, August Katsky, passed away. And I just want to send out my heartfelt condolences uh, to Mary and her family during this very difficult time. August Katsky was 81 years of age, and he will be greatly missed. This week... Our show is about conflict resolution, and our guest is Dr. Susan Campbell, who has been a relationship coach for 43 years. She travels the world as a speaker and workshop leader and has written eight previous books on interpersonal relationships. Susan Campbell trains counselors and coaches in how to use her getting real approach to coaching. Her work centers on how to be compassionately honest with oneself and others. She's the creator and publisher of five entertaining and educational card games for children, teens, adults, couples, work teams, and singles. She's appeared on Good Morning America, CNN, and her training videos are widely distributed to Fortune 500 companies and government agencies. For more information about Dr. Susan Campbell, you can go to SusanCampbell.com, that's C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, to read about you know all the work that she's doing. So we're talking about conflict resolution today, and whether you're having problems at home or at the office with your children, marriage, or in your personal relationships, this show is for you. I just completed uh, Susan's latest book, Seven Keys to Authentic Communication and Relationship Success, Saying What's Real, and John Bradshaw, uh, the New York Times bestselling author and one of the most influential writers on emotional health wrote a beautiful forward and glowing review of Dr. Susan Campbell's book saying, What's Real? Seven Keys to Authentic Communication and Relationship Success is an excellent resource for our new collective consciousness on how to thrive as humans and create true love through honesty in all of our relationships. Susan, so great to have you on the show today, and congratulations on uh, your wonderful book. Thank you, Kathy. It's great to be here. So let's talk about conflict resolution and how the seven keys to authentic communication and relationship success can help us. What are the causes of conflicts in relationships? Okay, well, let's uh, review here. First, 
people are different. They're conditioned differently. They grow up in different kinds of families, different cultures. So people have different wants and needs at various times. And the problem with this is that too often people see their differences as a threat, either a threat to myself or a threat to the relationship. Like if I have a different want than my boss, I might get fired. Or if I have a, if I want to go someplace different on vacation than the rest of my family, then they're, they're going to uh, reject me or not like me. So these differences uh, don't have to be seen as threats. But typically we do because we haven't learned how to manage that tension. Because there's a certain tension when you want one thing and I want another. And so uh, you know, we'll be getting into how to manage that tension as we get into the content of the book. By the way, the title of the book is Saying What's Real. Oh, did I have that reversed? Yeah, I think I believe you. You said yeah. what's real once, and, okay. and you gave the subtitle. The subtitle is more informative because <laughs> it really does give this book gives seven different statements that people can make to take the threat out of communication and bring you more into the present moment. Okay, my apologies. I'm saying what's real. And um, so that's interesting and very, very true, because why is there such a tension? I mean, we do have differences, but it's almost like it's, it is very complicated. We all come with different histories. So there's all kinds of triggers that we carry with us. And um, and I guess that's really what disrupts in the course of when we do have we do come across yes, the difference yes. between we each get other. triggered when 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 you want when I love you especially when I love you and, and and or I need you in some way for my life like you know my job uh if you have a difference from what I want or what I see it triggers our old I call them fear buttons that uh many of us still carry from earlier times when we really were dependent on our early caregivers. Uh, we were so dependent on them that uh, sometimes when we did scream and, and uh, want something that they didn't want to give us, like attention at a particular time, uh, sometimes we did get punished or ignored in a way that really wasn't supportive of our basic needs, like our needs to be touched as an infant. You know, if you scream too loud and, and you're... I will say you know, to your parent, uh, too upsetting to your parent, uh, you might get ignored. And so later on, uh, you might have a button about, well, if I differ with somebody too much, I'll get ignored or I'll get rejected. So I have to kind of tone it down and you know, give, tell people what they want to hear, that sort of thing. So, yeah, we get our buttons pushed by these differences. So you you got it. Buttons, triggers, uh, both of those words I use synonymously. Yes, and you know, well, let's let's get to the book because you really break it down in such a way uh, that's very simple to understand and very useful, you know, tools that we can all take out into our everyday lives and uh, hopefully, you know, not get into as many conflicts. And and when we do, here we have. Uh, some positive weapon weaponry, if you will, to kind of like, you know, uh, end in a peaceful way. So your first chapter uh, is is uh, step one, hearing you say that I feel. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and we're going to be going through now the seven, what I call the, the seven statements necessary for relationship success. 
Okay, so even though that's not the title of the book, that's kind of my own personal title. So one of the statements, the one in the first chapter, is hearing you say that I feel. And that statement gives you a chance to slow down. Let's say you do have a difference with somebody. Somebody somebody says, well, uh, I don't see it that way. I, oh, that, that, you know, that, that's, that's a pile of crap. You know, that, that could really trigger you right there. Right. But if you have the phrase, and think of this as a sentence stem, hearing you say that, I feel, and then you fill in the blank. If you know how to use that phrase, even if you don't say it out loud to the person, like hearing you say that, I feel afraid. You know, I feel afraid that uh, you don't like me anymore. Uh, I mean, that would be the truth. Even if, if you don't uh, say the words out loud, hearing you say that, I feel, to, to the other person, right. it's good to say them to yourself. It's really a practice in presence. It'll bring you right into the moment rather than giving some defensive answer like, well, you know, nobody's perfect and can't we just agree to disagree? You know, those sort of automatic statements that people will make which aren't really connected to the, the here and now. So if you can say, hearing you say that, I feel, you know, I say that kind of to myself, I feel upset or I feel scared. I feel afraid that I didn't say what I just meant to say correctly. Let me try it again. So it buys you time, Mm -hmm. and it also gets you connected to your actual feelings in the present moment. And there's something empowering, Cassie, about being present, about knowing what you feel. It brings you into your body. It brings you into into your your felt sense of, of being here. Whereas if you're talking from your head and starting to argue with the person, that is disempowering to, to your own energy field, to your own connection with yourself and your confidence. And so pe- people will not uh, find you as credible as when you're really present and grounded in your own experience. So yeah. that's what this key really helps people do. That's a that's a wonderful suggestion. Suggestion and and of course, you know. Being present and getting connected to our feelings, like you say, and bringing us right in the moment of now um, is so um, much more positive than coming right out of the gate with a defense and, you know, all of this old programming and arguments and because it just stirs up the dust even more. So instead of, you know, becoming closer to the individual in, in trying to come for, to some peaceful resolution, now the war has begun, you know. So you write that um, ignoring our feelings, you know, that's, in other words, we have a limited vocabulary, which I just sound like I have a limited vocabulary right here. But um, when you write that most of us have a somewhat limited vocabulary when it comes to expressing in the moment feelings, that we learn to ignore feelings. So how does, you just gave a wonderful example about how we can pause and tap uh, into our emotions and, and become bring ourselves into the present. But how does ignoring our relation or our feelings impact relationships? Well, then you go on automatic. When you, by the way, I have a list of feelings and sensations for for people who who often live in their heads rather than in their feelings, which I think it's true of most of us. I have a list of feelings and sensations to help you prime the pump to know what right. you feel. You know, you could kind of look down my list here, keep it in your pocket or something. But ignoring feelings puts 
well, it make it, first of all, it makes it very hard for you to genuinely connect with yourself, so that you don't seem real to people. You seem a little little bit farther away. It's like it's like if somebody's explaining why. You know, I've I've just said to, I've just said to them, you know, I I totally disagree with 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 what you're with what you're saying, mm-hmm. and somebody starts explaining why. And they haven't connected to their feelings, you know, explaining why they feel that way and so forth. Uh, they will be less present than it's, there's nothing wrong with explaining why now. Right. But if you get in touch with what you're feeling first, like, like, oh my God, like I train lawyers, I train trial lawyers to do this in right when they're arguing a case and the judge is saying, you know, Okay, I've heard enough, and they and they cut. They, no, the attorney gets cut off in, in mid sentence, and the you know the attorney has to deal with his or her feelings in that moment. Mm. And uh, you know if, if you start if you start uh, trying to give a rationale for why you should continue without feeling yourself first, what we've found in in our role plays, we do a lot of psychodrama and stuff in, in these um, mock trial situations. Mm-hmm. What we found is when the person just keeps keeps arguing from the from a mental place, they they aren't as resourceful. If you've checked in with your feelings and and I'll even have people connect with where that button first got pushed, that mm-hmm. button of being overruled and re, you know and not no, nobody wants to hear me right. and, and and have them actually give a little self comfort. I mean, this all happens in an instant, but the tools in this book we'll get you know we'll get to the one about what to do when your buttons get pushed, but I'm giving you a preview here just just instantly kind of go, "Oh, I feel that hurt in my heart, and I have a flashback of you know, of my father telling me, "Shut up at the dinner table and you 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 all in an instant you give comfort to that anxious part of yourself, and you're more you're more all there right so when you ignore your feelings. You're just not as substantial a person. You don't come across uh, as 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 full, fully there. And and I mentioned the word credibility before and confidence. Mm-hmm. And it really is a fact. You might it might be a hard sell until you try it. But it's a fact that if you're in touch with your feelings and sensations as you're talking, and your connection to the other person. That, that energetic connection, you're looking at the other person, you're, you're going to have more personal power in the moment. And that's, that's what this skill helps you to do. Excellent. Well, let's move along to step two, which is, uh, or point two, um, I want. Okay. Um, many people are conditioned to never feel their wants. Now, some, some of us are fine with that one. So it's, it's some for some of us it's not a problem, but for many of us when we wanted something, uh, especially as children. So this is all again trying to overcome old conditioning. That's what these skills are for. Uh, we were conditioned that if we wanted too much or too loudly, we would get ignored or criticized or worse. And so. Just, no, just remember, some of you listeners, just 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 remember, if you scream too loudly for what you wanted, what was the consequence? And so many of us have unpleasant memories of uh, asking for what we want. So the first thing is to affirm yourself for having the want. Being able to just, it's again, it's sort of like 
a feeling. A want is another type of feeling. So I want people to take it as that. A want is not a demand. And when you speak a want, like, I want you to look at me as we're speaking. You know, you could say that to your partner as as you're uh, having dinner and having a conversation. Honey, I want you to look at me as we're speaking. And you could be afraid to do that for a variety of reasons. Um, but, let you know, looking at the reasons is, is uh illuminating in in and of itself you know oh i you know i couldn't say that because he might do it just because i asked and then feel controlled you know that's a common objection mm-hmm. or i might come across too pushy or demanding or too needy well, so it's very important to make room for your wants and then look at your resistances to speaking your wants because this is all about self-awareness this saying what's real is a communication practice sort of like a yoga of communication so it gets you to see your resistances to feeling and your resistances to saying your wants like to know yourself better by knowing your fears and of course i teach having empathy for your fears being tender toward that wounded part of yourself so but having a want and and stating it clearly it gives you some definition brings you again more into the present and what it also teaches you is if you can speak your wants more freely and more fluently you won't be so attached to getting every little thing you want because we don't always get what we want in on that personality level uh like i want you to look at me it's a very lovely want you know i want you to look into my eyes as we're speaking but we don't always get that and sometimes the partner is has got their own issues about eye contact and you know we may or may not take that personally but it's good to be able to frequently ask for what you want just so you don't take your wants as a big deal either if i don't get something it's you learn after a while sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Right, and that's and also a way the, it's to It's not speak about it. getting, it's yeah. about affirming yourself. Right. That's what speaking wants is, is really, that's the purpose of it. But in, it's also, in, this, in the work that I call the getting real work. Right. It's also, there's another factor called timing, <laughs> you know. Oh, um, yes, and I give tips for time. You know, don't ask, your, don't ask your husband to help you move furniture when he's in the middle of watching the Super Bowl next weekend. <laughs> <you know? laughs> exactly, you have to you know, pick a time when, and some people typically pick poor times. They always seem to not get what they want, and 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 if you look at it, their timing is always is always a little bit off, and that says to me that they've got some unfinished business uh, in the, in the area of the fear that I will never get what I want. Right. And you know I'm a psychologist, and you know I help people expo- explore the roots of their fears, and it's 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 all in our conditioning. It's from the past, and we can heal that. Right. The, the point here is we can heal our old wounds in our adult relationships by adopting these practices. Yes, but you have to take responsibility, know what they are, and then take you know embrace them. Yeah, it takes it takes some risk to yeah. uh, to, to step out and be visible. Right. And if right. you had issues about when you, you know, as, as a youngster, when you were visible, you got punished. Well, 
you know, you you might need some some guidance or or a practice partner to practice this stuff with before you go out and practice it at the workplace, for example. And I I, I do invite invite people to find a practice partner to to practice these truth skills with because. We're so conditioned to not speak this way. It's true. It's very important. And I love where you mentioned in the book that uh, if there is an, an internal pressure behind the want, uh, there will be a demanding and controlling tone to that request, yeah. and that's going to turn off the listener. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very, very valuable information as well. And again, it it gets us to pause and check in with what we're feeling and to look at those wounds and to look at the timing, and it's it's great to... You know, we should be taking those pauses before we act. So great advice. So now yeah, we might... I always say check in with yourself before you open your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> that's what here that's what the first skill does. It's yeah. hearing you say that I feel it kinda of gets you to check in with yourself. Yes. Before you say anything. And this was my favorite one, step three. I have some feelings to clear. This is so important. Yes. If couples would, if <laughs> couples especially, but in the workplace, everywhere. But I'll just start with, with the first thing. If couples would just have a weekly session where they ask the question, is there anything I've done, honey, that's created distance between us this week? You know, anything that's kind of bugged you? And if they would just share their answers to that question. And then follow that with, is there anything I've done that's helped us feel closer, helped you feel closer to me? And that's getting the feedback that we all need to be better partners. And it's also teaching us to tolerate that we don't always please our partner. And we have to be able to tolerate that to to have a a healthy adult relationship. The same thing in the workplace. I I teach people how to uh, use feedback in the workplace to clear the air. Like so let's when, talk about when that. When this happened, I felt, you know, that kind of thing, to just clear. Because once you can speak about something and the other person hears it, often the problem is already solved. Sometimes you speak about it and, and it, it, is a, it is a bigger problem. You, have to, you know, you have to talk about it and problem solve. But mm-hmm. most of the time, if you just get to say something, your partner registers it and, and it, it becomes a learning process that over time you become better partners or, or better workmates. And you say you also say that feedback is not necessarily agreeing with it, but you're you know taking it in, listening to it, and then it's still your responsibility whether you choose to do something about it or not. That's exactly. your personal choice. Exactly. When you're receiving something that the other person was displeased about, I I go back to hearing you say that I feel. That's the thing. Feel right. your feelings. Mm-hmm. And if it's a if if you're getting some kind of negative response from your partner, you might get one of those buttons pushed again. And if you're in any kind of a relationship at all, if you have kids, uh, if you have a, a, a people you have to work with, uh, or if you have a, a love partner, you're going to get your buttons pushed. So it's it's important to get um, familiar with your buttons. Now, what do you suggest if you have a relationship where you have been clearing with a person regularly and you're being told everything, you know, you're getting the feedback that, yeah, yeah, after the discussions, everything's good, and then they explode on you at a later time? Well, it's less likely to happen if you've been clearing regularly, but of course that'll happen because Mm. uh, people will get their buttons pushed and... uh, that's that, that you, you can't prevent explosions. Yeah. 
uh, some people are just calm, calm by nature, and they don't explode. They just uh, withdraw. But you know, even those people, like I say, if they're if you're in any of those close type relationships where there's some interdependence, you're probably going to get your buttons pushed sometime, and you're going to behave what we call inappropriately, either by walking out, shutting down, or blowing up. Right. Uh, because you know, when when we fear that we're going to lose our love relationship or the the job that or the you know the job or the kid or something when we fear any kind of loss like that we're vulnerable to to those kind of explosions and the next uh point you make or step 4 would be i'm getting triggered yeah so that brings us to the whole <laughs> question of realizing that we all do have these either explosive or shut down moments and some of us have learned to control them pretty well or to you know talk to ourselves but I think a deeper a, a deeper healing is needed, and that deeper healing is first, of course, you have to recognize that you know you have these overreactions to something your partner said. You have to really be humble and and realize that it's not always your partner said it wrong or they had the wrong timing or uh you you know they're not paying enough attention to you and if only they would change you you wouldn't be this way uh we need to get past that power struggle uh type language i i wrote a book called beyond the power struggle and uh in that book the uh one of the basic messages is you uh you know you're in a power struggle when you want your partner to change so that you can feel better and so often we we get triggered, but we think it's about the partner. He shouldn't have said that, or, or she should. You no, know, she shouldn't be so pushy. Uh, so whenever you think that thought, whenever you think a judgmental thought towards somebody that has some emotion toward it, like she shouldn't be so pushy, mm-hmm. or if only he was different, then I wouldn't be so needy. Uh, that means you're triggered. Right. We don't even we don't. It's not maybe a blow up type of trigger, mm-hmm. but we're not thinking straight, and we're in some kind of past reaction that's influencing our present perception. So um, most of the buttons are things like fear of being rejected, fear of being controlled, uh, fear of being abandoned. Like like I have to say it just right, or I have to always agree with my partner, or. Uh, He'll blow up at me, or he'll walk out. So, if we, those are the main fears: fear of being ignored. Uh, then there's fear of being misunderstood, fear of being judged. These come up a lot in groups. So just, oh, I I have a list of all the different fears. You know, just kind of, those are the main ones. And if you're listening to this, recognize that you probably have some of those. And nowadays, Kathy, I'll do a favorite fears contest in a lecture and I'll ask people how many people know that you have some kind of fear of rejection and you know, 90% of the hands will go up a uh, fear of being controlled oh about 75% of the hands will go up for that one well that's so positive. Forth. <laughs> that's These are like positive. and so everybody's now happy to know that they're not the only one right exactly that's what I want to get across so the first the first thing in being able to say I'm getting triggered is it brings you more present 
to the fact that you are triggered, so maybe you better not say too much right now because if you are triggered, you're you're in an altered state, and it's not one of those good altered states. Yes. <laughs> You've got adrenaline pumping through your system that tells you that there's a tiger in the room about to jump on you, you know, and that isn't yeah. true. It, it, you're seeing danger where none exists. So we have exactly. to learn that there's a biology behind these triggers, and it it it, it, it uh, triggers our survival instincts when really it's not a survival issue. But then we need compassion for ourselves that that still goes on in us because this is part of the human condition, Let part of being in a body. Absolutely. Let me just interrupt for one second because I can't believe we only have a less than two minutes. Can you stay with us a little longer? Because, uh, or do you need to go? Um, I have to go because okay. I have internet problems. And ah, I have to get to the I have to get gotcha. to the internet cafe and and mail some stuff. I couldn't oh. get. This has been incredible. I mean, we didn't get to go through all the points. I Listen, I know that you are an extremely busy woman, but I would really like for you to come back on the program. I, I think we need to do an hour show. We can kind of summarize what we went over today and really get into depth about it because, you know, this is a an issue that um, really needs to be discussed openly, and, I'm, and then we can take some callers. And it's just oh, that'd been be really great. It has been a pleasure to have you on the program and your book. Uh, is fantastic, and everyone, please go to www.susan.com for more information about Dr. Susan Campbell, and you can uh, find out about all the books she's written, and they are fantastic. Lovely to have you on the program. Oh, it's been great to talk with you, Kathy. I look forward to the next time. Thank you very much. Okay. Take, take care. Now. Bye. Next week, folks, we have Michael Fitzpatrick. He is a Los Angeles-based virtuoso cellist and five-string electric cellist who is the recipient of the Prince Charles Award for Outstanding Musicianship. And uh, he conceived and composed the groundbreaking film project and recording project Compassion, Tuning the Planet, which was inspired by the friendship between His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and the late Thomas Merton. Michael Fitzpatrick has performed around the globe and has been featured on PBS, NPR, and in numerous publications. His thoughts on music's role in increasing global peace are detailed in Zoe Salas's new book, Ten Eternal Questions, along with thoughts from the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, Bono, uh, and many others. So be sure to tune in next week to meet Michael Fitzpatrick. He is an extraordinary composer and musician. This is Kathy Barrett sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. So great to have you along on this journey with me. And I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. <laughs>